Okay, um, I'm very excited with um, what God is doing in our days, and this morning I'm looking forward to sharing the word. Um, let me try and calm myself a bit. Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We thank you for the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, for the entrance of your word. May it bring light, understanding, may it bring healing and deliverance this morning. We thank you that you follow your word with signs and wonders. We thank you for revelation, Lord. We are open to your, to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Trust you're ready to hear the word. A couple of months ago, we, we went to TUT, and Pastor Paul was preaching uh, to the students there. It's always a marvelous time to speak to, to students. Uh, and I quite like the title and the content of his message. I don't know if he remembers it. Those who were there, you, you would remember. But I would remind you if you don't. The title of his message was The Other Stuff. He was talking about the other stuff. So basically, he was giving the students additives and additional stuff um, that they need in order to make it in life over and above their academic qualifications. I want you to understand that in life, you need the other stuff of life. And that is what has motivated my, my, my topic this morning. And I'll be sharing with you on this message entitled, The Other Stuff of, okay. the other stuff of Life. All right? So that's the, the title of my message this morning. I want you to tell your neighbor and say, The Other Stuff of Life. I hope you are ready to hear the other stuff of life this morning. And I would like to equate the other stuff of life to the packaging of a, to the packaging of a, of a gift. When somebody comes to you and they give you a gift, whether we like it or not, the way a package is packaged or the way a gift is packaged somehow excites your heart to open it. If somebody comes to you and they've got a big box and there's a ribbon around it, there are flowers around it, your heart starts beating and you're looking forward to opening this package. Yes. Even though you don't know what's inside of this, unless the spirit of discernment comes upon you, you wouldn't know what's inside there. Well, we hope that what is inside correlates to how it was packaged. <laughs> Sometimes somebody will bring to you something that doesn't, doesn't look great outside and your heart says, okay, um, oh, thanks. And then you open it, you realize there's something very precious inside. And I'd like you to realize that in as much as people say, do not judge the book by its cover, there are times where the cover really matters. There are times where the cover will determine where the doors will open for you or not. Now, the other stuff of life are so key to a life of a believer. Because the way you present the gospel will determine how people will receive the gospel. The way you present the word of God will determine how people will react to the gospel. Now, before we dwell on the other stuff, I would like to briefly talk about the main thing. Because without the main thing, you can deal with the other stuff, you'll get caught up at the end of the day. Because you can package that gift so well, 
that my heart gets so excited, but the moment I open the gift, I get disappointed. And the anger will rise up and say, but how can this person is manipulating me? How can they so pocket this thing? Actually, the covering is more expensive than the gift. <laughs> have you been there before? You're like, you might have spared so much money by not covering this thing and putting more value on the gift on what I'm going to use. I want you to understand the main thing in the life of a believer is the status of your faith in the Lord Jesus. In the absence of a faith that is a life in Jesus, it doesn't matter how you package your life, it doesn't mean much. But at the same time, it doesn't matter how strong your faith is inside, but if you fail to package your faith, you might not be able to transport that faith to where it is needed. Glory be to God. You see, there's no point in sorting out the other stuff of life when the main thing is missing. It's equivalent to spending a lot of money on the finishes of a building when the foundations are poor. However, at the same time, you'd realize that a lot of us, when we bought our houses, were really moved by the way it looked. You'd walk through the hall and you're like, I love this. I like the way it looks. Not knowing that there are cracks behind the doors. You are there now for three months, you realize this place is falling apart. What am I saying this morning? Let's get the main thing right first before we even talk about the other stuff of life. Now your faith in Jesus is the main thing. And I want to ask you a question today. How are you doing in that field? For a moment I want you to look at your life and say, how am I doing in my relationship with Jesus? Can you claim that your relationship with Jesus is what it is supposed to be today? Are you comfortable with your prayer levels? Are you comfortable with the way you're reading the word? Are you comfortable with how much you've been talking about Jesus wherever God has placed you? What excites you about church? Today, did you come to church screaming and scratching? Or you left your house saying, Lord, I'm so looking forward to spending time in your presence. Or you're like, your alarm went off. Snooze, snooze, snooze. That's why we came late to church. (laughs) Your faith in the Lord Jesus is very key to where you're going and what God wants to do in your life. I've realized that the more people spend time in the house of God, the more we become very professional. We become very dignified in the way we raise our hands in the house of God. We become very cautious with the way we raise our voices when it's time to worship. But can we go back to those moments where we're so zealous for the things of God that we did not care who was looking at us in the time of worship. We could cry in the presence of God and we were fine with it. But today, we just cannot afford to cry. What will my kids say if they see me crying in the church? They'll say, Mama, what is wrong with you? Where are you at with God today? Have you backslidden in the amount of time you've been praying? Because you see, backsliding happens in different shapes and forms. You can backslide in the amount of time you've been spending in prayer. You used to enjoy the presence of God for an hour without running out of your prayer closet. But today, you're making those five-minute prayers under the shower. (laughs) 
Does that sound familiar to somebody? Are you saying it's okay, I can drive on my way to work? And you're doubling up, you're listening to SFM and praying at the same time. It doesn't work. God wants your undivided attention. You see, there was a time where God was looking forward to you waking up and say, I have an appointment with my child at five in the morning. And today, he's waiting for you, but you don't wake up. What's the status of your faith today? Are we coming to church to please the pastors? To tick the boxes? If I don't go to church, they will phone me. You see, whether I phone you or I don't, it's between you and God. Yeah. I would love to phone everybody who doesn't come to church every single Sunday. But we may never get to that point. It's about you and God. Yeah. Ultimately, we are responsible for the quality of that relationship. I cannot phone you why you haven't spoken to your wife in the past two days. I can't do that. It's your responsibility to make sure that relationship works. Glory be to God. If you haven't spoken to your wife in the past two days, make up and kiss tonight. (laughs) If that was for you, take it up and say, I'll do something when I leave church today. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4. Are we there? Today, I believe we're going to be washing ourselves in the Word. We'll be reading quite a lot of scriptures. If not, we'll do it. uh, We'll continue doing it until we're cleaned by the Word. Verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 1 says, This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. There's something that needs to happen in our hearts the moment you read those kind of introductions. The Apostle Peter is saying, before I'm an apostle, I'm a slave. Before you're a pastor, you're a slave. Before you have any title, you're a slave when it comes to our service in the house of God. And I think this kind of talk is no longer very welcome in our churches today because pastors no longer want to serve, they want to be served. All of a sudden, we can no longer carry our own Bibles coming to preach. We want somebody to carry the Bibles for us. Or iPads. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's got to be a time where you say, please, I'll carry my own Bible. Some have even forgotten how to drive because we've got chauffeurs all the time. But Peter says, I'm a slave and then apostle of Jesus Christ. What are you today? Are you waiting to be visited and not even thinking of visiting other people? We sulk when people don't visit us. We're going to tantrums when nobody calls us. But you haven't called somebody. You haven't visited somebody. Yeah. Can I go there this morning? Please do. We leave church because they haven't followed up on me. But you've been church for six years. And I'm saying it is time for you to follow up on somebody else. Yeah. Hallelujah. Can I get there today? It is time for us to rise up and be mature in our walk with God. If we don't visit you, it should be fine with some of, some of us here. You should be falling and say, last night I visited somebody. 
Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Anyway, Peter says, I'm a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now he says, I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. You see, the way he describes faith, he says it is precious. You see, when something is precious to you, it is of value to you. It means you cannot do without it. If, you, if something is valuable to you in these days, you, you ensure it. Your car is very valuable, therefore there's insurance on it. Your house is very, is very valuable, therefore there's insurance on it. Now, to put it in layman's language today, your faith should be as precious as your cell phone. Many people cannot live without their phones. If you leave your phone at home, more often than not, you feel lost. You feel naked. You're like, something is not complete. We do that with our cell phones, but do we do that with our faith? How much value do we place on our faith? When something is valuable to you, you contend for it. You fight for it. You will guard it with everything within you. You will say, guys, you can take everything from me, but not my faith. Glory be to God. So here we find that the Apostle Peter is saying we've received such a great and precious gift from God, which is our faith. Because it is that faith that saves our souls. You see, it doesn't matter how good looking we are today, in the absence of faith in Jesus, our lives are incomplete. Because what does it help us to be good at everything else and losing our souls in the the process? That is why the Bible says it doesn't gain a man, it doesn't help us to gain everything in the world but lose our souls in the process. Now this is the question, what have you been doing to sell out our souls? You see, when you talk about this precious faith, it gives you access to the Father and everything that the Father has. When you have faith, you have access to the Father. When you have access to the Father, you have so much inheritance, you have something, so much going on for you. That is why I'm saying, let's get this thing called faith right before anything else. So he says that this faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. Verse 2. May May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Other versions say he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You see, when you have Jesus in your life, the Bible says... Through his divine power, God has given us everything we need for life. What are some of these things? When he says we have everything that we need for life. I don't know what you've been hunting for in your life. I don't know what you've been pursuing every single day of your life. But this morning I want you to understand that if we get this faith thing right, we have everything that we need pertaining to life. Number one. 
When you are in Jesus and your faith is functional, you have access to the high priestly work of Jesus Christ. When your faith is functional, you have access to the high priestly work of Jesus. What am I talking about? The Bible says Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, he sat on the right hand side of the Father, not just looking at his Father, but interceding for you and me. Glory be to God. You see, I might forget to pray for you. Your friend might promise that I'm standing with you in prayer and that would be the prayer because they're not going to pray. You see, there are times where we need to ask when somebody says, I'm praying with you, brother. Really ask them, are you serious about the fact that you're praying with me or you've already made your prayer right now? (laughs) You can think back when you promise people that I'm praying for you, my brother. And not once did you remember to pray for them. But I'm so excited because Jesus is not like me. Jesus is not like you. He's seated on the right hand side of the Father, making intercessions for you and me. He's pleading with the Father so that you and I can walk in, in breakthroughs. And that is what happens when our faith is functional. This main thing that I'm talking about, you have access to the high priestly work of Jesus. Secondly, you have ministry of the Holy Spirit. When you read read in the book of John, chapter 14, chapter 16, where Jesus was saying, you see, it is good for you that I go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father, I will ask the Father that he will send you the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus was very excited because as long as he was on earth, he could not be inside of the disciples. But when he went to the Father, he was able to make the shift to be inside of the disciples. So as you're walking today, you're not walking alone. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And he's called the other helper. Do you know what is our problem? Our problem is we've never given him the attention he deserves. You are at work and you're having a difficult moment. You've never asked the help of the Holy Spirit. And yet he's there waiting for you to give him access and to give him the opportunity to help you. That is, these are the benefits. The Bible says through his divine power, he has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Child of God, you don't need to do anything funny to obtain stuff in life. Because we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. The issue is, have we been tapping into this unlimited resource? How much of the Holy Spirit is known by your affairs in your life? How much of the Holy Spirit is involved in the raising of the kids in your house? When your kids grow from one stage to the other, the way you look at them, the way you treat them changes. I cannot treat Bernice who is turning seven the same way I treat Andrew who is turning three. When your kid hits the 14-year mark, you can't treat them the same way you treat a three-year-old. You might have to reevaluate using the spanking mechanism because they might not even listen to you. But you see, when you call upon the Holy Spirit, he will tell you exactly how to parent your children. I don't know if you have a boss who is difficult, who is mean, who seems to have a cold heart and is actually conditioning your attitude when you come to work. And how much of the Holy Spirit have you involved 
in that situation. Thirdly, we have the activity of angelic agencies on our behalf. These are the things where Peter is saying, through his divine power, he has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. You see, angels are ministering spirits. They come in to do the bidding of the word. When you declare and you proclaim the word, angels rise up and they look and they do work on our behalf. The Bible says he has put angels charge over us lest we dash our foot against the stone. These are the resources we have access to. Glory be to God. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He says here, we have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This is one of my most familiar or uh, popular scriptures in my heart. It says here, through these promises, we have access to the divine nature of God. You see, the people who have studied the word, they say there are over 30,000 promises in the word of God. So when you are connected with the word, you cannot help it but to stumble on promise after promise when you are walking with Jesus. You see, there is a promise for every situation in your life. There is a promise for your marriage this morning. There is a promise for your work situation. There is a promise for your finances in the word of God. There is a promise for your health condition this morning. By his stripes you are healed. Is there turmoil in your heart this morning? Is there confusion? Not knowing what to do. There is so much happening in your life that you are having nightmares because of the adversity around you. And Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you. Glory be to God. You see, the Bible says, many, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from all of them. It doesn't matter what afflictions you're going through, there is a promise of deliverance. But the question is, did you know about the promise? Because you see, you can't apply what you don't know. Hallelujah. The Bible says these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption based by human desires. When you talk about his divine nature, there are certain things that cannot be found in the divine nature of God. And when you have access to his divine nature, those same things no longer have a right over your life. You see, when you're walking with Jesus, you have the ability to overcome life-dominating sins. Because sin has lost its power when you say yes to Jesus. When you open your heart to the Lord Jesus, you, have, you receive victory. And the possibility of overcoming those things that you were not able to overcome before. We have access to his divine nature. And this is really exciting stuff for me. Because everything that we need is on our fingertips. Everything that a believer needs, you do not need to fly going out somewhere. You have it right there with you. Because the Bible says the word of God is right inside of you. 
So what you're looking for, the solutions that you need, are within you. That is why there's always a problem when certain people want us to feel we totally depend on them. And we can't do life in their absence. And therefore we have to pay some money to have access to them. But the Bible says here in our relationship with God, we have access to his divine nature. Child of God, you don't need to come to me for prayer. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the curtain in the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom, giving you and I access to the throne room of God. If you believe it, you can have it. Let's not live our lives with this dependence syndrome. Where we're saying we have to call somebody. You see, there's a place for that. But your default as a child of God should be, God, I'm your son. I'm your child. Look out for my well-being. There's power in agreement, but you've got to talk to God by yourself. You see, I want you to understand something that the issue is not whether there's power in the name of Jesus or not. The issue is whether, it's not whether the, the blood of Jesus has lost its power or not. The issue is, are we able to rightly appropriate that which Jesus has made available for us? Are we able to apply the word of God in our situations in order to see results? You see, it doesn't matter how powerful your engine is. If you don't know how to drive that V8 turbocharged car, you will never enjoy that power under that hood. Those who love cars, you know what I'm talking about. Unless you know how to handle that power, you might never ever be able to enjoy the fullness of that engine. You might as well buy a 1.2. <laughs> no offense to those who drive 1.2. What I'm trying to say here is that it's very, very important for us to know how to rightly divide the promises of God for ourselves. Are we together this morning? You see, the way we live can render the gospel of no effect. The way we live can render the gospel of no effect. Not because the gospel has lost its power. No. Not because Jesus has changed. But it is because of the packaging. It is because of the stuff that happens around this gospel. The Lord Jesus experienced this phenomenon at some point. You see, Jesus walked on water. Jesus spoke to the storm and said, be calm. Jesus delivered that man who was possessed by multiple demons, legion. But there is a place where Jesus went and he was not able to perform as many miracles. Was it the same Jesus? Yes. But there was a problem with the constituents. There was a problem with the people who were hearing the word. Matthew chapter 13 verse 57. This happened in his town of Nazareth. You see, the town of Nazareth had seen Jesus growing up as a son of a carpenter. They probably saw Jesus working with a hammer, a chisel, nails, his hands were dirty. They saw Jesus running around with a tire in the street, playing like any other boy. <laughs> and then one day Jesus comes and says, I'm not that kind of person you used to see. I'm the son of the living God. And they were offended at that. Because they say, is this not the Jesus who was born down the street? 
Is this not the Jesus whose brother is this and this, whose sister we know? How come he can claim that he's the son of the living God? Verse 57. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. That is why we hear the same powerful word, Sunday in, Sunday out, but different outputs. What is the issue? The packaging. What we do with what we receive. And Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. This was the spirit of familiarity. And Jesus was addressing it. Are you familiar with your brother to a point where you miss out on the blessings of God coming away because it is your brother preaching to you? Are you failing to receive your breakthrough because you're saying, I've heard these pastors preaching Sunday in, Sunday out. What more can they tell me? Familiarity. Familiarity breeds content. You come to a place where you're so used to your wife that you can never listen to her wisdom. Like, I know you. I know your issues. I know your temperament. I know, I know you. How can you contribute to this situation? You're just too familiar with the verse of God and God can use that verse to bless you. That's right. Some of us need to repent of that today. Yes. Because God has been using people around you, but you're oblivious to it because we've got a chip on our shoulder. This, this city denied itself of breakthroughs because they say we know him. He's a carpenter's son. You see, I might be a carpenter's son, but there's something else upon my life. This is what God is saying to us. There might be something special upon your child. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. It was the same Jesus who delivered the bound. It was the same Jesus who opened the eyes of Bartimaeus. But in this hometown of his, he could not do much. Now the answer lies, to, lies with this whole issue of the other stuff. I want you to understand that God will never force you to be holy. God will never force you to wake up and pray in the morning. God will never force you to be loving and kind. But he's saying, let's work together. Is there a willing heart among us to work with God so that the word can become a reality in our lives? So Peter calls these things supplements. You see, different people believe supplements work. Some don't. There's a different type of people who like supplements. There are some who really don't take supplements. But I want you to know something about supplements. Supplements can never replace the medication. It's a supplement. It's something on the side that boosts your immune system. It can never replace the main thing. So the supplement that Peter is going to talk to us about or the other stuff of life can never replace the main thing. We've got to get the main thing right and then let's work on the supplements in order to make the main thing productive. Glory be to God. Are you ready to hear the other stuff of life? 
or the supplements. I'm hoping that I've laid this foundation so that we hear these supplements in the right context. Because you see, the world today is giving us these supplements. The world today, the new ages are telling us some of this stuff. But that stuff is devoid of power because the core thing is missing. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Peter 1.5. In view of all this, in other words, in view of this foundation that I've painted, in view of your faith in the Lord Jesus, in view of your relationship with Jesus, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Child of God, there is a way to respond to the word of God. You see, somebody received the word and they just relaxed about it. They don't grab it. They don't hold on to it. They just say, ah, it's just one of those words. How do you respond to the promises of God? Because your response determines the output of the word. Glory be to God. Now, Peter says here, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a, pres- with a generous provision of moral excellence. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. You see, some people say, you see, when we are Christians, we really don't have to talk about issues of morality, virtues. But I want you to understand that is the packaging. That is the packaging that will determine whether somebody in your workplace are in a place where they can give you an ear or not. You see, you can have revelation from last night's dream. But if your behavior at work is contrary to the word of God, nobody will give you a hearing. And what happens to that revelation? So when you're talking about moral excellence, it is simply defined as the quality in a person's life which makes them stand out as excellent. It is a quality in the life of an individual that makes them stand out as excellent. It is a term of moral the high ground. It's a term of saying, I'm going to be different. I'm going to do things differently. You see, a person's character is a sum of his or her dispositions. You see, when you're talking about moral excellence, we're not talking about peaks. We're not talking about blips in the system. We're not talking about outliers. We are talking about a trend. Glory be to God. So when you're talking about behavior and character, I cannot say this person is of moral excellence by just one event amongst bad events. It's an issue of us looking at the trend in your life. Those who do statistics, they'll tell you of outliers. Stuff that's outside of what you're trying to study. And they won't even pay attention to them because they say maybe there was something wrong with that particular sample. So they'll look for a trend. Now this is my question to you this morning. What has been the trend in your moral character? What has been the trend? Am I known for for being a person who doesn't fulfill promises? You see, there are people that... Uh, so, trying to, trying to find a word to, to, to use here. You see, we are habitual liars. It becomes a misnomer to say the truth sometimes. What is the trend? The trend is this is how a person lives his life. And I'm excited because I'm not talking to people like that this morning. 
So a, a person's character is the sum of his disposition, his thoughts, his intentions. When you leave for work, what are your intentions? Are your intentions to put that man under his face? To say, I will show him. I will prove to him. There's a meeting today and I'll put him in his face. You go ahead and you do it with excellence. You leave and you say, you know, did you see how I put him in his space? He doesn't know me. <laughs> Strange fires we are burning on the altar. <laughs> What's the disposition of our hearts as believers this morning? You see, the reason why we are talking about these things, it is because mankind was born in sin. And his natural trajectory is downwards. It's to decay. That is why we need to be alert. We need to be sober. We need to pay attention to stuff. You see, when you got born again, your spirit man was regenerated. Your spirit man was transformed from being dead to being alive. But guess what? Your soul, your mind, your body remained the same. Therefore, the conflict remains between what the spirit wants and what your body wants. That is why the Bible says, do not conform yourself to the standards of this world. It is you who has to do the activities. Do not conform yourself to the standards of this world, but be thou transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, when you got born again, you got a different engine in your heart, in your spirit man. But there's got to be a replacement that needs to take place in your, in your, in your, in your mind. There's a need for unlearning, relearning of different things. See, there's no place like now that we need Christians to be of high moral excellence. Because the world is going in one direction. Unfortunately, what the world is doing has crept into the body of Christ to a point where the world is like, I'm looking for somebody different. He comes to church, he sees the same stuff. And you're like, what's the point? I'm going back. If these believers do exactly what I was doing, there's no hope. Now, children of God, our hope doesn't lie with the government. Hope doesn't lie with the ANC or the DA or the EFF. Hope lies with the church. But when the church does not understand what's the responsibility over her, she will just be like any other institution. You see, your character determines the weight behind your name. Why do we do dropping of names? It's because there's power behind that name. I'll be able to go into an organization where Pastor Paul did some coaching. I say, <clears throat> do, you know, do, you know, do you know Paul? Do you know Paul Nyamuda? He's my buddy. Oh, he's my pastor. And the guys will start looking at me in the same light as Pastor Paul. You see... Your name will either open doors for you or close doors for you. There are people that you hear that they're coming in a certain environment and they start pulling stuff out of the shelves. <laughs> Sometimes I walk into these expensive shops and I'm just looking and I'm not going to buy. <laughs> but then the funny thing is that somebody follows me. Checking, okay. What is he doing? What is he going to do? You get, the, you get the drive. But like, yeah, is he not going to pull stuff off the shelf? Oh, you know, it's because there's a name behind certain people. 
your name is very key. Now you're catching up with what I'm saying. Your name is very key. Doors will either open or close before you because of your name. <laughs> Why are people sued for defamation of character? Why are people sued for character assassination? It is because character is what really matters. You see, your gift can take you to places where your character can't sustain you. Yeah. That is why there are times where God will cause us to be in seclusion or under staff and he's working our character out so that when the time comes to be exposed, we'll be able to sustain the fame that comes with position. Yeah. You see, God is really interested in character and not in comfort. That is why we go through certain things and we, we're kicking and scribbling and say, God, take this out of my life. It is just another six months. You'll be fine in that oven. You see, when, when God goes through the oven, when it comes out, it is purified. All the dirt has been removed. And when, when this Goldsmith looks at this piece of God, when he sees himself in that, in that reflection, then he says, now it's ready for the market. And God does the same thing. He will allow you and me to go through stuff until we clearly reflect his character. Then he says, now you're ready to be released. Glory be to God. Amen. Let's look at examples of moral excellence. Galatians chapter 5 verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I want you to pay attention to this list. It's a difficult list to read. But as believers, we need to be aware of these things. So the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, Quarreling, yes, quarreling. Jealousy, outbursts of anger. No, my mom used to be angry as well. It runs in the family. It's in, it's in my gene. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other scenes like these. Are you seeing something very familiar in that list? Let the Spirit of God speak to you. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone living that sort of life, take note, is the trend. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about blips. Other versions here says those who practice these things, whose lifestyle is made up of drunkenness, whose lifestyle is made up of sexual immorality, it is becoming the norm in one's life. Paul says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These things. 
Now my focus will not be on the first portion of these scriptures. Lest you thought I was going to go there. No, I'm not going to go there. Because we know this stuff. It happens every single day in our neighborhood. It happens in our workplaces. It happens on the roads when there's road rage. I'm not going to bother you with that. Because I firmly believe that if we pay attention to the do's, the don'ts will be taken care of. Glory be to God. You see, I don't want us to live a Christian life where we say, I'm a Christian because I don't do this, because I don't do this. Tell me what you do. For me, I believe that is where the key lies. Because if I walk in love, there are certain things that will never be found in the presence of love. If I walk in gentleness, even if you cut in in front of me, driving, I will not come out with a gun and pointing on your door like this. No. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. What am I talking about? We need to pay attention to the do's because the don'ts will be taken care of. You see, our aim must be to bring glory to God through our actions. When God is glorified in what we do, it will be easy for many people to believe Jesus. Hallelujah. It will be very easy for people to believe Jesus. The same Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says... Having your conversation honest among Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The Bible says here, they may by your good works, which they shall behold. Can you imagine? You enter into a temptation to bribe somebody to get your driver's license. You do that, you get your license. You have automatically disqualified yourself from sharing Christ to that man. Because you bribe the traffic officer and the next thing you want to share the gospel, they won't even pay attention to you. They're like, ah, Maruti. What kind of a Maruti are you? You've just greased my hands. Now you're talking about Jesus. Guess what? A lot of believers know quite a bit about Jesus. They know what Jesus approves and what he doesn't approve. And when they see those things that are not approved in our lives, they can pick it up. And it reinforces a stereotype. They will say there's no difference between us and believers. Matthew 5 verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise the Lord. Again, they say, do not judge the book by its cover. But whether we like it or not, the cover matters in presenting the gospel. I'm going to stop there this morning. I don't know if this has ministered to you, what the Spirit of God has said to you this morning. I would like us to stand on our feet um, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, that you have called us to a life of a higher dimension. I pray, Lord, for my brother. I pray for my sister this morning that there will be an awakening, Lord, in their hearts 
to know that you are counting on us to be true ambassadors of the kingdom. We pray this morning for a grace upon each and every one of us this morning. May you forgive us, Lord, where we have not represented you well. We pray that you forgive us where we have become enemies of the cross. And so, Father, we avail our hearts and our minds and our bodies to you that if you can use us, Lord, would you use us for your glory? Thank you, Jesus.